Well, this morning our message is simply, uh, what is it about children that, would, that is so special that it would cause Jesus to say that we all must become like little children if we are to enter the kingdom of heaven? So to start with this morning, I have asked, or Leah has asked, uh, three of our children from Children's Ministry to share with us some wisdom, uh, and we have some questions for them uh, that we're going to ask them now. Uh, first question, what chores do you have around your house? So, do you want to start? have trash helper um, clean our bedrooms clean the trash out of the cars <laughs> Brandon and Caroline have a really cool chore chart that they they showed me too of where they have all their charts right Caroline yeah, Brandon and Caroline are brother and sister. Oh, cool. So how about you all? What, did you have something else that you wanted to? Yeah, we have a chore chart and we have, get, we have to do 50 chores and we get $5 and get to go somewhere fun. Cool, I wish I had that. Yeah, yeah. Making our bed. Um, Cleaning up and brushing our teeth. I couldn't think of any more. <laughs> um, we clean the playroom. Um, we clean the bathroom. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, here's our next question. Do you think that these chores that you have to do are easy or hard? Are they easy or hard? What do you think? Most of them are pretty easy, but some of them are hard. Which, are the, which is the hardest one? Um, probably cleaning my room. <laughs> gotcha. All of them are very, 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 very easy. <laughs> <laughs> Cleaning the room, that's, that's the number one hardest, huh? Okay, here's, here's a real important question. Do you like doing chores around the house? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> because I could be doing so much other things instead of doing chores. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, because sometimes my mom and dad need a break. <laughs> oh, that's a sweet. Okay, that's yes. Good. Yes. You like helping? That's awesome. That's good. Oh, go ahead. Because, because it helps mommy and daddy for cleaning. Yeah. Uh, we had a little boy in the first service by the name of Tice, and his favorite chore was cleaning toilets. 
he really likes cleaning toilets, so we're going to get his number next Sunday. We're going to put it up so you can call him <laughs> if you need your toilet cleaned. So. Okay, got another question for you. Have you helped someone lately? A friend, a stranger, someone at school, or someone at church? Have you helped someone lately? In the middle of the school year, my teachers thinks I am responsible enough to help the first graders every day. Oh, cool. So helping the first graders with their reading. Well, there's someone in Pennsylvania that has a shorter foot like me. I mean, a shorter foot like me, if you couldn't hear that. Um, and so, wait, but the shorter foot is on the opposite side um so when i go shoe shopping um i give the ones i don't use to him that's awesome cool. that's awesome caroline i donated my hair to the children's hair yeah. loss yeah she did that's awesome caroline that is great okay last question what is your favorite part about coming to church Learning more about God and Jesus. The same thing as Brandon and um, and learning about the Bible and seeing um, my friends and teachers from Sunday school. Worshiping God. Awesome. All right. Well, will you thank these children for sharing with us this morning? So what is it? What is it about children that Jesus says that if, if we don't reclaim that, if we don't become like these little children, we can't enter the kingdom. We can't even be a part of the kingdom here on earth, let alone in heaven, unless we can become like little children. Well, I think there are some characteristics of children that we may lose as adults. And the very first one is that children are fun. Children are fun. They know how to have fun. And sometimes we as adults have lost that. You know, kids are free to have fun. It's about time that they go to school and get into organized sports that all of a sudden we got all this structure to having fun and there's all these rules in, in softball and basketball and soccer. We've got to follow the rules. And we get this idea in order to have fun, there's got to be a winner or a loser. But that's not the way it is with little kids. They are free from the rules just to have fun. They call it free play. Now, last weekend I was in Grand Island to visit my four-year-old grandson Eli and my five-year-old granddaughter Harper and whenever I go visit them I always wear old clothes it's got to be something that I don't care if it gets soiled or destroyed I don't wear my good watch I got to wear an old watch that lights up because I like to push the button and I don't know if you've ever seen that that new Jurassic World movie where the little raptors surround the T-Rex 
and bring him down? That's what it's like when I go visit them. I'm the T-Rex and they're the raptors and they're on me from the moment I'm there trying to bring me down and they're pretty good at it. They know how to have fun. And sometimes that gets on the parents' nerves. But as grandparents, we don't mind because we go home. <laughs> but children are fun. They know how to have fun. Can you remember having fun like that? Can you remember a time when you were a little kid and you were outdoors playing with your friends and you were having so much fun that you had to go to the bathroom but you didn't want to stop? And maybe you didn't make it. Maybe you had an accident on the way to the bathroom because you didn't want to stop. You were having so much fun. I call that the pee-pee test. That's when you know you're having fun. That you'd rather pee than stop doing it. The Bible tells us we're supposed to have fun. Did you know that? You probably didn't know it. The Bible says a lot of things about having fun. It just camouflages or disguises the word fun with the word rejoice. But the Bible tells us we're supposed to rejoice. Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son about the son who took his father's wealth or his portion of it and squandered it all and came back home because he was starving to death. And when he got home, dad didn't lecture him. Dad didn't tell him what a big failure he was. No, dad told his servants, go bring the best robe, put a ring on his finger, get the fatted calf, we're going to party. We're going to have a good time. We're going to celebrate because our son who was lost is back home. And it is right for us to have a celebration. Paul tells the church in Philippia that they should rejoice always. And he said, just in case you didn't hear what I said, I'll say it again. Rejoice. The Bible tells us that we are supposed to have fun and rejoice in the good times as well as the bad, in good fortune and fiery trial, in acceptance and in persecution, when we are well-fed and when we are hungry, in wealth and in poverty, in sickness and in health, to the last breath, rejoice. And that's what God and the Bible tells us we're supposed to be like. That's what life is supposed to be like. If you don't know how to have fun, you're going to be out of place in heaven. Because when we get to heaven, there's going to be something called the marriage feast of the Lamb, which is going to be a big party that's going to last for eternity. So if you're not into having fun, you better not plan on going to heaven because that's what heaven is going to be all about. Kids know this. Kids know how to have fun. And we adults a lot of times forget that. And that's a quality of childhood that we need to reclaim if we're going to be a part of God's kingdom here on earth and God's kingdom in heaven. Now, this morning the children sang a song, uh, and I could have listened to them all day as they were doing the praise songs. And, and that one song, yay, you know, the word yay, that's like the word amen. 
So kids or adults, if anything I say you agree with, I want you to just say, yay! Amen, I agree with that. So are we supposed to have fun? All right, then let's do that. Children are not only fun, but children are dependent. Dependent. They're not, by choice, they're not dependent. You know, little tiny babies come out. They, they depend on their parents and other people to take care of them. They would not survive if it weren't for being dependent. And that's just who they are. And that's a quality that we need to reclaim as adults as well. Children need to know that their needs are okay and that their needs are being met by somebody that wants to meet them. Too many children get the idea that their needs are not okay and that their needs are an inconvenience to the adults around them. Jesus one day was preaching and parents brought their children to him so that he could lay hands on them, so he could meet their needs. And the disciples became upset and scolded the parents, saying, don't bother Jesus with this. Well, Jesus became upset with the disciples, and he said, don't stop those children from coming to me. Let them come, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these little children who are dependent, who are needy and willing to share their needs. That's why Jesus, the first beatitude said, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who don't have to act like they have it all together, but that need to depend on God and sometimes others in their family of faith. Children depend on parents to love and accept them and to affirm them and affirm who they are. Too many children get the message, I will love and accept you if you do what I want you to do, if you become who I want you to be. You see, God doesn't do that with us. God accepts us as we are and who we are. He loves us unconditionally. That's what grace is about. And it is God's love is, that is the model for us, not only loving our children, but loving one another. God doesn't expect perfection. He is there for us where we are and affirms who we are. That's why we find in John chapter 3, verse 17, John said, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him could be saved. That's why John tells us that for all who received him and believed in him, he gave the right to become the children of God. We are God's children. We are dependent on his love and upon one another. Another characteristic of children is that children are humble. They are humble. In the text that was read to us this morning, the first three verses of Matthew chapter 18, the disciples come to Jesus and say, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to have the best position? Jesus takes a little child and places that child among them and says, in order to be the greatest in the kingdom, 
to even be in the kingdom, you've got to become as this little child. And he went on to say, Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Little children are humble. And that's kind of what makes them so much fun and so much fun to be around. They're naive. They don't know everything, and they know that they don't know everything. And so one of the main questions kids begin to ask at an early age and continue through their adolescence is, why? Why, 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 why? Why should I do this? And why can't I do that? And why, why, why? Well, you see, that makes kids teachable. And that's something that we need to reclaim if we're going to be part of God's kingdom. We, too, must become teachable. Not pretend like we have all the answers. Not pretend like we have it all together. We must become teachable as a little child. And then when we're given answers, we must have that childlike faith that accepts, I believe what dad says. I believe what mom says. I believe what the teacher says to have reclaim that kind of faith. In order to serve God, we must love like a child. Little children are just predisposed to being loved and to loving. When I retired from full-time ministry three years ago, Shortly after, I became very, very ill, painfully ill, had to be rushed to the hospital, needed an operation, was there for about a week, and the day I came home was the first time I met my granddaughter, Olivia. Olivia and her parents live in California, and they were coming for their first visit. Olivia was three months old, and I got to see Olivia the very first day. I was still in in kind of a lot of pain, but there was just something about having Olivia there and all of the loving and cooing and holding and feeding. It was just an, it was a healing experience for me, and somehow I don't understand it, but there was a special bond that was created between Olivia and I. And Olivia calls me Papu. That's Greek for grandpa, so I'm Papu. So a couple, you know, Olivia just had her third birthday, but a couple, couple months ago, I'm driving home from the shelter, and Stella's in California, and she and Olivia are on the phone. Stella's my wife, and they're on the phone, and I've got the Bluetooth on, and I'm conversing with them as I'm driving home, and all of a sudden, I noticed this car on my left starting to pull into me, and it's going to hit me. And I yelled something, whatever it was, I probably couldn't repeat here anyway. But I yelled something, and I said, I got to go. And I shut off, hit the button, and shut off the phone. I swerved out of the way and gained control and continued my trip. It wasn't 30 seconds later that my phone rings. And it's not Stella, it's Olivia. And she says, Papu, are you okay? And that experience was was so, 
so amazing, so overwhelming that this little two-and-a-half-year-old was so concerned about me. That's the kind of love and service that we need to learn uh, if we're going to be part of the kingdom. Uh, just last April, uh, several of us had the, the honor and pleasure of going to Costa Rica on mission. And while we were there, we spent a lot of time with kids, especially in a place called Tarasas. And a lot of it was just doing crafts and playing games and, and singing with the children. Just, you know, these are children who, whose fathers had abandoned them and their mothers. And, you know, sometimes people go to these things thinking, oh, I'm going to go so I can feel good about myself and I'm going to do all these neat, wonderful things for other people. But it wasn't about that at all. It was just about being with these children. I mean, our last day there, the children came up and danced with us. And we danced with the children. And, you know, that's what service is about. And we need to learn, reclaim the ability to love and serve as, as children. Dr. Rachel Riemann, who has spent her life working with the chronically ill, said it better than anybody I have ever heard of how we can serve as, as a humble child. She says this, Service is not the same as helping. Helping is based on inequality. It's not a relationship between equals. When you help, you use your own strength to help someone with less strength. It's a one-up, one-down relationship, and people feel this inequality. When we help, we may inadvertently take away more than we give diminishing the person's sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Now, when I help, I am very aware of my own strength. But we don't serve with our strength. We serve with ourselves. We draw from our experiences. Our wounds serve. Our limitations serve. Even our darkness serves. The wholeness in us serves the wholeness in the other and the wholeness in life. Helping incurs debt. When you help someone, they owe you. But service is mutual. When I help, I have a feeling of satisfaction. But when I serve, I have a feeling of gratitude. Serving is also different than fixing. We fix broken pipes. We don't fix people. When I set about fixing another person, it's because I see them as broken. Fixing is a form of judgment that separates us from one another. It creates a distance. So fundamentally, helping, fixing, and serving are ways of seeing life. When you help, you see life as weak. When you fix, you see life as broken. And when you serve, you see life as whole. When we serve in this way, we understand 
that this person's suffering is also my suffering, that their joy is also my joy. And then the impulse to serve arises naturally as it does with children. Our natural wisdom, our natural compassion presents itself quite simply. A server knows that they're being used and has the willingness to be used in the service of something greater. We may help or fix many things in our lives. But when we serve, we are always in the service of wholeness. And God's people said, Amen.